When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Cincinnati Reds fans everywhere remember where they were when Joe Randa, Joe Randa stepped up and hit a walk-off home run on opening day. Most of us remember where we were when Ramon Hernandez did the same back in 2011. Um, opening day in Cincinnati has connotations far beyond just the start of a baseball season. Uh, even for baseball towns, which Cincinnati absolutely is, uh, the start of baseball season is much more than just a single holiday. It's, it's the opening of a window. It's the opening into not just what happens in the evenings for six and a half months going forward. It's what you do. It's what you plan around. It's what's the the soundtrack of your summer if you're not actually in the stadium. Um, that all begins tomorrow. It's 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 opening day eve right now. It's the night of of March 29th, 2023, and the Cincinnati Reds host the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, to start this season tomorrow. Um, it's it's an interesting opening day for a number of different reasons, which we'll get into uh, as we continue on this newest episode of Walks Wuhan. Um, for many reasons, it's it, it's a refreshing one. Uh, you know, over the last couple of years, we've seen so many different instances of uh, of seasons being shortened, of the 2020 season dealing with a pandemic and having to not start until midsummer. Last year, in the wake of the lockout, we saw the Reds start on the road last year, and not just start on the road but I think play 11 of their first 13 games on the road. So um, we didn't really get an opening day in Cincinnati the way that we're all used to. Uh, the fact that that's back, that baseball beginning the way it's supposed to ceremonially is back, not all the way the way it was back in the day when Cincinnati was the the first team to really open the season the way they historically did for, for, for decades. Um, but still it's back in a big, big way and knock on wood, it doesn't look like it's supposed to be 33 degrees and rainy tomorrow either. Um, it's cool and it's back. And regardless of what the reds have to offer this year, it's something worth looking incredibly forward to. So, um, so we're going to talk a little bit about opening day tonight. Uh, I'm Wick. I'm your host here at walks will hunt. We've got BK. We've got Arf back again this, uh, this week, uh, breaking down what the reds are going to bring to the table for opening day. Um, <laughs> BK, I guess we'll start with you since you're uh, on location in Cincinnati right now. Um, yeah, man. All of the all of the Reds transactions and foibles aside, and let's be honest, if you know you don't have to go too far back to to, to watch Phil Castellini stick his foot in his mouth on opening day and ruin things almost before they even had a chance <laughs> to begin. Um, 
all of that aside, all of the moves, all the fire sales, all the rebuilds, all the injuries, all that aside, um, tomorrow's opening day in Cincinnati. You're going to wake up in Cincinnati for opening day. What are your thoughts about the Reds in tomorrow? Yeah, man. I mean, it, uh, it's, it's, it, I think just, you know, given how the offseason has gone and uh, given just kind of what the uh, fervor is on the internet, it, it feels like it should be, you know, not a joyous occasion, right? You know, it feels like, um, you know, obviously the team is uh, decimated with injuries and ineptitude from the uh, front office and the payroll and all that, all of that stuff kind of going on behind the scenes that have kind of painted this off season. Um, you know, they're, they're going to introduce 25 guys uh, tomorrow. And, you know, most people in the stadium will have heard of zero of them. I would, I would think, you know, outside of, you know, maybe Jonathan India is probably the most famous guy on the roster, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about um, as far as kind of being a household name here in Cincy. But um, but at the same time, it, it feels like it always feels, it feels like, you know, there's that e- excitement, um, especially, you know, was downtown today and, um, you know, there's not really, there weren't like people walking around in jerseys or anything, but, you know, you start to kind of feel the energy of it and, um, you know, the weather's supposed to be nice tomorrow. I think that is definitely going to make it a, a lot more, uh, inviting of an occasion, um, you know, I then, think then it, uh, helps. it helps tremendously, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's much better to have a day where it's, you know, I think it's going to be like 60 and, uh, you know, partly sunny, mostly sunny tomorrow. So, um, at least that's the, uh, forecast as it stands now, but I mean, yeah, if it, if that ends up being the case and you have all the people, especially with all of, you know, not being able to celebrate this, you know, to its full extent due to COVID and, um, you know, that stuff, the banks kind of area is going to be, um, yeah, I would assume that that's going to be packed for the whole day. You know, it's just going to be, there's all that stuff going on that signifies opening day in Cincinnati and that's all going to still be here. So I, I really, really looking forward to that aspect of it. I think, I think the city is, is ready for it too. So I'm, I'm out here in, in Denver, Colorado. I've been here for 11 plus years now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Even though I, I grew up in Lexington, my dad's originally, his whole family's from the Latonia and Fort, uh, Fort Thomas area of Northern Kentucky, and they all grew up Reds fans. That's why I'm a Reds fan. So um, drop that in there just for people who haven't followed us along writing <laughs> anywhere else. That's, that, that, that's why drop I, your uh, credentials in. Yeah. yeah well, I'm going to get back to the Cincinnati area, despite the fact that I'm out here. It's 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 the Reds fan that's in my blood. Um, saying that also as a preface for when I keep introducing ARF. Um, ARF is a uh, our Arkansas Reds fan, ARF, uh, uh, the the original uh, pen name of, of Mitchell Clark, who's also um, looking forward to opening day for the Cincinnati Reds tomorrow. Um, or for somebody else who's not in Cincinnati, um, but is you know, going to follow the Reds and going to look forward to what they bring to the table this year. What are, what are you looking forward to tomorrow of all days? What, what, what's the, what's the fresh start that you're looking forward to seeing tomorrow? I mean, really, like you said, you know, I I'm from Arkansas. I've never been in Cincinnati on opening day. You know, I've been, I think the earliest I've been to a game was like the next weekend or something. So like game four or five. Uh, so I've never got to experience the true, like the parade and, and all, 
all the, the hype surrounding it. Um, so yeah, I mean, really, I'm just, I'm just ready for another baseball season. Uh, you know, last season was kind of over before it started, you know, um, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit, but. You know, oh yeah, I'm, that year. Yes. It, <laughs> I'm excited. You know, we've got Hunter Green starting tomorrow. Uh, you know, I think I read earlier, he's like the youngest opening day starter since 1980. So um, it kind of like with all this rebuild that we kind of have been perpetually doing for the last mm-hmm. 10 years, uh, you know, it, it kind of signifies some excitement for the future, even though a lot of those guys are still down in the minors. Uh, you know, Hunter Green's been, you know, the prospect we've been waiting on, uh, you know, since, since what, 2017 when he was drafted, uh, you know, and, and so it's exciting to see him on the mound opening day. He seems healthy. He's had a good spring. Um, and, you know, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, seeing him pitch, you know, seeing what a supposedly revamped Jose Barrera looks like seeing Jonathan India come back healthy. Like, so those are the things I'm going to be looking for because we know the wins and losses aren't, you know, they're not going to, or at least the wins aren't going to be what we hope. Um, and kind of going into it, knowing that it's, there's still some things to be excited about. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, we're, I, I think for for fans of of any baseball team, you know, the more quote unquote knowns that you have, the easier it is to set your expectations. Um, but just because there aren't any knowns doesn't mean there can't be surprises on the good end of the spectrum. You know, yeah. like uh, you know, I'm looking right now. I had to look it up because I knew they weren't great, but I needed to get the numbers. Um, Tyler Stevenson, first round draft pick of the Reds potential superstar as far as I'm concerned at the catcher position, especially if he stays healthy and gets a little bit more time at first base. We saw glimpses of that when healthy last year, 739 OPS across six minor league seasons, 739. Yeah. Look what he's done when he finally made it up to the big leagues. Jonathan India, also a former first round draft pick of the Reds broke out and won the rookie of the year award in 2021, 774 OPS across three seasons in the minor leagues. You know, we're talking about two guys who, we're good prospects, you know, the first round picks, high good pedigrees coming out of uh, a high school for Stevenson and college in India, uh, guys who cracked the back end of a lot of top 100 prospect lists for a while, uh, didn't stay there all the way, you know, had some struggles and didn't show out their skill sets. Um, the Reds trusted them, but when they finally got up there, they've shown these guys are just big leaders. They're legitimate big leaders. That's, yeah. that's, that's good. Um it seems like the Reds are banking on that kind of, we know what we're talking about, we're under the radar and it's going to work strategy, though, with about uh, 17 of the 26 guys in the roster this year, maybe. Um, and then two of those nine spots are Joey Votto and Will Myers. Uh, Votto's obviously hurt. Um, and then that leaves seven guys who are kind of the bullpen mix, who we kind of know what they are, we think but we're hoping that they're not what they were. Um, it's it's not that the individual parts of what we're expecting to see as the roster gets announced tomorrow, they still haven't finalized the roster yet. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute, but it certainly seems like all the writing is on the wall for the Reds to have dice rolls in a lot of positions, but as anybody who's played craps before, you roll dice enough, you know you're going to get the good ones to pop up every now and then. The Reds have a lot of dice rolls. So um, there's a chance that we could see a lot of upside surprises. You know, there's reason to have optimism about guys like 
Jose Barrero at shortstop, like a bounce back season from India or from Stevenson, where they stay healthy. Um, you know, Will Benson, who looks like he's going to make the uh, not just the roster, but get a lot of playing time in the outfield, uh, especially if Will Myers has to slide into first base while Joey Votto's out. Um, the second half of the season from Jake Fraley and TJ Friedel last year, very promising. Can they do that over a full year? Who the hell knows? Um, Spencer Steer, the one guy who's actually going to be a rookie this year, um, has much better minor league stats than India did, you know, at basically the same position and same age. So there's there's reason for upside. It's just that when you when you roll when you basically you go with the the full bag of dice rolls as opposed to having certain things you can bank on in a couple dice rolls, it's really it's really hard to have any sort of feel at all on how many of these guys might get hot, get right, and develop at the right time at the right stage. And that's what they're asking us to do. And it's just, it's the weirdest feeling because I don't have, yeah. you know, I don't have negative long-term optimism on hardly any of the guys that they're putting out there. But the question mark is how quickly will any of them kind of coalesce and come together? And will it be at all this year? Uh, right. PK, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, when you look at just traditionally kind of what happens in these, with these types of rosters, you know, you generally will have, a, you'll, I, I mean, even no matter if they win all of their games or lose all of their games, you're going to have a handful of guys that just come out and exceed all expectations and are just, you know, your Graham Ashcraft from last year, right? Of guys that, you know, really didn't expect a lot from and will and come up and just really just, just play, play their asses off, right? And really put themselves in a great position going forward. And there will be a couple of guys who, you know, get to that big league stage and will just peter out and you're Brandon Larson's, right? Like, you yeah. know, that, that type of, like, there there will be guys that will be getting a chance this year and will not take advantage of it. Let's talk upside here. Let's talk about, you know, what could go right for this particular team. Because, um, as we mentioned, there are plenty of instances that could go right. There could be uh, the next India this year. Spencer Steer could walk right in and have the same season that Jonathan India had. It's not outlandish to say that given what he's done in the minors, uh, what his prospect pedigree is, where he came out of college, college bat, polished bat, plays similar position, all that stuff. And um, he came up in September last year and looked looked like a big leaguer. You know? Yeah, he looked competent. You know, yeah. he, he had some batted, batted ball luck that wasn't tremendous, but he hit the ball pretty hard here and there. Wouldn't be shocking for him to come out and be like, "Oh yeah, he's a legitimate big league player." Um, there might be a Scooter Jeanette in there. There might be a Derek Dietrich in there. There might be half of that, both of that, and Will Benson. You know, yeah. they, they've they've shown that before. There might be a Dan Straley somewhere in Connor Overton or Luke Weaver. You know, all of that could happen. Um, right. Arf, let's go to you. What are what are your thoughts when, when we talk about upside here? We're obviously not talking about like best case scenario for everybody, but is there anybody who jumps out at you on the projected opening day roster? Because we still haven't got it finalized yet. Um, that you say, yeah, that you know, if that guy jumped out and he turns into a two and a half, three win player this year, uh, I wouldn't blink because it looks like it's there all along. Um, yeah, kind of the one I've been a little more interested in. It was Will Benson. Um, you know, yeah. he was one was a very kind of under the radar acquisition. 
Um, but then as soon as the Reds got him, you see like all this positive stuff, like this kid's going to be a player. Like he, you know, even though his numbers aren't great so far in his career, it seems like every level he's been at, like he'll, you know, move up a level struggle the next season kills it, you know? And so that's kind of what I'm looking forward to because right now the outfield is kind of a bunch of, eh, I don't know about this, you know? Um, and so like, we've kind of, you know, we kind of know what we have in Nick Senzel, unfortunately, you know, Jake Fraley, kind of the same thing. Um, and so like, I, I think I'm interested in most to see what Will Benson does and see if he's kind of one of those upside players, because, you know, everything you hear about him um, seems like he could be the one on this roster to break out out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm looking back at last year's stats and I'm seeing Tyler Stevenson had a 482 slugging percentage, but only in 50 games. Uh, Brandon Drury had a 520 slugging percentage, 92 games and got traded. Everybody else on that roster, it's a bunch of threes. It's 370, 378, 386, 374, 306 gross, um, 385, blah, blah, blah. Point being, this Reds roster needs somebody who can hit the ball with some pop. They really do. Um, Will Benson brings that to the table. He absolutely brings that to the table. And he does so with a patient approach that, you know, that's a, it's a combo that while I'm not sure how well it really translates into minor league stats yet, the players that show it well enough in the minor leagues and make it to the big leagues, that's the kind of thing that almost seems to exponentially exacerbate itself more so than back to ball skills uh, and some of the other the tools that you can have out there. And so I think the Reds bet big on the fact that his ability to do those two things will translate better than some of the other things he didn't do well in the minor leagues. And if they do, I mean, we are talking about a former first round draft pick who's what, 24 years old still can play defense a lot better than I think some of the metrics initially graded him out as last year, um, all across the outfit, including in center field. Um, and he plays chess with Joey Votto, which just immediately jumps him right. up like, like that's like a plus forty bump in future value in my book. So, um, yeah. no, Benson, but even then, the it w- and you said it was a big bet, but really it wasn't a big bet, right? Like they got him for you know a player to be named later, right? So it was like it w- it's kind of a lottery ticket. And you know, when you look at kind of what he brings to the table, it's you know I I think there's an, enough upside that you know the Reds looked at this guy and said change of scenery might do him some good. And, uh, you know, let's, let's try it out, you know, and, you know, it, it's not, I, I almost want to compare him to the outfield version of Brandon Phillips a little bit, just in that, just watching kind of how that, how that came up. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to put all the expectations on him at this point, but you know. No, I mean, he, again, yeah. coming coming from Cleveland also, yeah, it's, it's exactly. hard not to. It's very, very hard not to. Yeah. Um, and they spun away with Steve uh, Steve Hajar. Hajar? Hajar. I wish I knew how to pronounce his last name. I probably should look that up. One of the guys that got Doesn't matter. in. He's not on our team anymore. In the, in the trade from, from Seattle. One of the, the litany of trades from Seattle that they flipped right back to Cleveland. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's a low-cost uh, – you know, low impact bet on a guy who's got a lot more skills than a lot of the players that the Reds already had in camp. And that's, that's, that's a great deal, whether it works out as far as I'm concerned, because that's the kind of risk that you want to see the Reds take at this point in time. Um, 
Yeah, I'm excited about Benson. And I feel like, you know, you look across the outfield mix and for as as barren as the outfield landscape looked before the Benson trade, um, you know, we're talking about uh, Jake Fraley is going to turn 28 this year. And I'm excited about Jake Fraley because he showed when he was healthy last year, he can hit the ball, especially in this ballpark. Um, problem is he's never been healthy, and that's the hardest part about this. Um but then TJ Friedel, who didn't get drafted, <laughs> despite the fact that he was draft eligible, right. um, and is going to be 27 this year, and has kind of perpetually been overlooked and everything else. You know, the mix at one point in time with Nick Senzel injured was what it was Fraley and Friedel and Stuart Fairchild, and that was kind of it. Um, obviously, Will Myers is going to be in that mix, but you start to look a little bit deeper into what the Reds have built out on the outfield. And no, it's not one great part or two great parts. It's like six half parts. But in theory, if you played all of their strengths and they're all willing to buy in and do that, there's a chance it could all kind of work out. And suddenly a spot where you thought might have been a weakness, which on paper it was, um, might end up being a spot where you're like, wait a minute, okay. Um, none of this really seemed like it was a possibility, but it's going to kind of coalesce and come together. I can see that there. There's, there's, there's legitimate upside there. Um, let's go to the pitching staff. How about that? Because the pitching staff is the one part about all of this where I feel like at the same time, we should be very excited, but also extremely tepid in our expectations <laughs> because they have, I mean, from ages 25 to 23, I guess, I'm not sure there's a team in the majors, really, that would prefer three of their own to Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft right now. You know? I, like, that's yeah. that's that's a pretty elite-level top three to build around for any team out there. Right. Um, having having you, all those guys in their second season, I think, is, yeah. is and Alexi, Alexi really Alexis Diaz, too. Yeah, Alexis, Alexis Diaz. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's a that's a four pack. Uh, obviously, in slightly different roles with, with Diaz in the bullpen, but that's a four pack that's that's enviable. That's incredibly enviable. The problem is you've got a thirteen person pitching staff, and the other nine spots right now on that pitching staff. Uh, I'm not sure I've been as um, I don't even know the word um, uh, ill excited about a nine person right. group or uh, <laughs> without expectation of a nine person group. Uh, yeah, exactly. As if I remember with that new, like it's, it's, um, it's, it's patchwork. And I'm saying that politely. It's guys who have been knocked off the Reds. I mean, Buck Farmer got knocked off the Reds roster by the Reds a year ago. Right. And he's like the veteran of the group. Um, you know, Derek Law, I think got knocked off the roster also and is expected to be back on it. Um, Ian Gibo has been uh, DFA by someone else and got traded to the Reds. Um, it's uh, it's guys who can throw hard. I'll give them that. Joel Kunal also got DFA'd by uh, the Reds and brought back on the roster. Um, you know, we're talking about guys who got DFA'd either by other teams and brought into the Reds, or the Reds knocked them off their own roster. Nobody claimed them and they stayed with the Reds, and now the Reds are putting them back on the roster. It's it's hard to look up and see the lack of endorsement by the rest of major league baseball for some of these players and have a lot of confidence in them. And I don't know if that's just the, the boldest, most middle finger possible move by the Reds to the rest of the league that they know something that the rest of the league doesn't, or if we should be legitimately terrified right. every single time a pitcher takes the mound, that's not named Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, or Alexis Diaz. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that you know when it, you know, given the Reds' track record with uh, their pitching, I I can't imagine that that's the case that they know something <laughs> that the rest of the league doesn't. But um, you know, when it when it comes to, I will say of the guys that are out there, um, I am really kind of excited to see um, what Tony Santian does and to kind of build off of uh, what he did last year. Um, just a, you know had put up the good numbers you has the stuff um to contribute to that bullpen um and you know by by all accounts is going to be um a pretty pretty good piece of it you know he's going to get the opportunities um but yeah outside of that you know it really outside of you know once once the starters check out of the game uh you know you're kind of you're putting your putting whoever out there until uh, Alexis Diaz uh, comes out to close it. So yeah. it's uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty grim. And I think there's going to be some, um, some really, really rough games probably uh, over the next couple of weeks, just as, as the guys that go out there, uh, you know, get knocked around by, by big leaguers uh, playing, playing a full, <laughs> playing a full game. But um, you know, that's kind of, uh, that's where we're at and that, you know, that's kind of where that's, that's the roster that was built. So you just I, I, go with it. I'd, be, I'd be remiss to not mention how many injuries that currently exist within the Reds pitching staff, because True. Clear, clearly that's dictating a lot of what's going on. You know, TJ Antone coming back from a second Tommy John surgery, a significant arm setback, probably going to start on the 68 injured list and be out for a while. Justin Dunn, shoulder issues, probably 60-day IL. I'm not going to see him for a while. Tony Santion, close but still injured. Luke Weaver, close right. but still injured. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm missing somebody else, I'm sure. Um, Arf, yeah, Williamson, I think. Williamson, Williamson back back in AAA but struggled again in the spring with, with control issues. Um Arf, what are your thoughts on banking on guys who have injury histories like that? Because Lucas Sims, Lucas Sims, the other one I was, I was trying to think of, um, obviously a key piece, but hurt again for however many years that's been. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on banking on guys who have been hurt before and using that as your strategy towards building a bullpen and then being in camp and being like, oh, crap, they're hurt again? Yeah, um, it's pretty interesting because as we were kind of talking about this, it's like – you know, they're banking so much on those three second year players, you know, Hunter Green injury history, you know, Nick Lodolo spent some time on the aisle last year. Like that's a ton of pressure to put on those guys because like they're, they're the three guys in the rotation that you're like, all right, y'all got to go six or seven innings because we need a chance to win this game because we have no idea what the back end of the rotation is going to look like. And then once it gets to the bullpen, we sure as hell don't know what it's going to look like. So I, I find it interesting that that's how they built their lineup when Hunter Green and Lodolo are like the future of this, of this franchise. And the fact that they're putting that much stress and pressure on them to kind of hold things together um, was a really interesting strategy, I guess. But, you know, we, we kind of know what, that front office philosophy is right now. So they're obviously not going to spend a ton of money, but yeah. And then banking on a bunch of guys that again, the rest of the league didn't think could do it. So we brought them back and then 
the rest of them are all hurt. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's the best strategy. Um, you know, I, I think they probably could yeah. have gone about it a little differently, especially given the youth and the rotation there. Um, so I guess we'll see, you know, I mean, like you said, Lucas Sims is kind of always hurt, you know, TJ Antone, second Tommy John. So you have no clue what, what, or if he's even going to come back, you know, uh, yeah. and if he does how long he's going to make it just cause that's a, not many guys come back from that second one, you know? Yeah. So, um, um yeah, when you, we'll when see. you roll, when you roll back the off season to when they traded Kyle Farmer, who I think was going to make what, like 4 million bucks or something in arbitration this year. Yeah. Um, my initial thought was they're freeing up money to, to sign some pitchers because what I thought this year would be, would be to let all these prospects and position players and whatever, just go find a glove and a spot in the field and figure it out in the batting order. Um, and they'll acknowledge that they've got Ashcraft and they've got green and they got Lodolo and they will buttress that with enough arms that have proven they can throw big league pitches and get outs to get through a season without putting too much stress or pressure on those three pitchers. Um, and then like literally five minutes after the farmer trade, I had that thought they, they went out and traded for Kevin Newman. And I was like, well, all right, well, that's maybe not going to happen. And then they signed Will Myers. And I'm like, well, that's the, that's, that's the 9 million bucks right there that they could have spent on two pitchers. Um, I don't, I don't yeah. really, I don't really get it. I mean, obviously the Mike Miner thing didn't work out last year. It didn't look like it was going to work out when they made that deal. So I, the, the Mike Miner as an individual is not the concept I'm talking about here. It's guys like like Johnny Cueto. It's guys that you know, yeah, they might get hurt, they might get banged up, but if you leave them out there for 110 pitches when they're healthy, it's fine. Somebody's got to get these outs. I look up at what my projections are for the Reds over 162 games in calendar year 2023. And it's hard not to think that by mid-August and Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft are all doing as well as we hope they're going to do, they don't get shut down in 145, 150 innings. You know, like that's yeah. the pr- prudent thing to do yeah. if you're not yeah. going to try to win games this year. Um but who's gonna who's gonna actually pitch for the Sep- team? <laughs> what's September look like at that point? Yeah. Like if, I the, mean, if those three guys aren't aren't getting the outs, and they're the only ones that we know can get outs, you know? Yeah, I mean, when when you think of um, you know, a thought that I just had with just that kind of strategy and what they're not doing, right? Because we, you know, you you mentioned just kind of having those young guys in the rotation and bringing in veteran relievers. And it reminded me of um, the kind of 2010 season, and and actually looking back, like at the 20 the two, the 2009 season, where that off season they brought in, um, they brought in David Weathers, uh, they brought in Arthur Rhodes, they brought in um, Mike Lincoln. Um, guys who all gave them pretty good innings um, and you know a lot of volume out of the out of the bullpen. Uh, it it seems like that should have been the move given kind of what this what this roster looks like uh, for this year. And you know who's out there? You know Fernando Cruz is out there and Ian Jabot and Buck Farmer. It's like oh man, like if that. You know, maybe one of those guys turns into kind of your workhorse reliever and can give you, you know, 60 innings out of the bullpen over the course of the year. But, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of outs that that 
this team, it, it's going to, they're going to fall short on having the guys to get the outs that they need uh, by the time August, September rolls around, given, you know, as you said, the inning limits and stuff. So, I hate even bringing him up because he's an asshole. He sucks. And I'm glad he's out of baseball. Um, but it's the writing on the wall for all of this, especially if the Reds are thinking long term, like the idea of the Trevor fucking Bauer trade where he came in mid-year in 2019 when the Reds were doing absolutely nothing, but set the stage for what they wanted to accomplish in 2020. Something like that is the only thing about any of this that makes any sort of sense to me, is that they've stockpiled a bunch of prospects. They know that they don't have enough to get them through this year. They don't really care because however bad it gets towards the end of this year doesn't really matter but they'll address that a little bit by getting somebody who can help bridge that gap, but who they get for beyond this year. And maybe they make that move. If they can find the right person, the timing is right, this trade deadline. And it gets them through this year, but also sets the stage for what next year is going to be. Maybe that's the kind of move that they're just kind of, they're, they're dragging their feet on and they've got their targets and they're hoping that, it's going to work out that way and that they can get it done without giving up too many of the good pieces that they've accumulated over the last year and a half of tearing things completely apart. That's, that's, that's the end game in my mind that they've backed themselves into the corner for me to really trust them with. Um, Otherwise I literally, I just, I don't, I don't, they're going to be picking up guys off waivers and starting them in DFA and rotating through for the last two months of the season, you know? And yeah. I mean, the last and, four months of the season, let's be well, it's, you know, they're, they're still going to have to have those fresh arms, you know, coming up from Louisville because you, you won't really be able to uh, count on, you know, more than four or five innings out of, out of most of the guys in that rotation. I mean, Luke Weaver's been in the race. Luke Weaver's been in the big league since 2016 and has thrown more than 65 innings in a single season once. And that was 2018. And you really, know, like, that's your veteran guy. That's so. the guy. Yeah. Like that's sure. the guy they're banking on. I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, not to get too pessimistic as we wrap this up before opening day, but it just seems like there's, uh, it's an incomplete, it's a big eye next to the grade we give this club on the day before things actually get started. And it's as much of a question mark eye as, as like as, as anything. It's like it's like if you're a professor and there's a kid that showed up in class every day and then just like just didn't turn anything in. It's like why did you come to class and then also not turn anything in, you know? I don't I don't I don't yeah, get I mean, it. I'm I'm kinda of surprised that they didn't bring back Alex Blandino just to kind of throw innings out of the bullpen. Knuckle well, man. You know, that's uh he he had he pitched three point two innings uh, this this last season and uh, can't imagine can't imagine uh, that that wouldn't be necessary on a team like this. It still looks sexy <laughs> as hell in the World Baseball Classic too. So I mean he's he's obviously brings that to the table. Sure. Um, all right, I guess just final thoughts. I mean it is baseball season tomorrow. It's it's not just baseball season tomorrow. Baseball season starts tomorrow and ends in November. You know, like it's it's not even warm yet, and it's going to be cold again before there's not baseball. Um, just any final thoughts on what what the Reds 
are about to embark on. Arf, how about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think you touched on it earlier, you know, talking about like some of like the left side of the infield, like what's that going to look like in June? You know, that that's kind of what I'm looking towards this season. Um, you know, obviously the seeing Tyler Stevenson healthy and Jonathan India healthy and seeing a full season, hopefully of Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft, like the, you know, those are all the things I'm looking for because like, like we just got done talking about, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of big holes and question marks on this roster, but you know, the fact is like, I am glad baseball's back. You know, I, I hadn't thought a ton about it in the off season, but then once kind of the world baseball classic got rolling and stuff, I was like, all right, I'm ready for this to be here. No kind of, no matter what, what the reds do over the next 162 games. But, you know, so some of these young guys and stuff that, that at least gives me some excitement to look forward to. Absolutely. BK, how about you, man? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that I'm looking uh, at this point is like, you know, you really had the pressure on a lot of these guys to perform uh, and, you know, really on, especially the position players. I think that, you know, we're going to see, we're, we're really going to see a lot from the guys that kind of start the season here. And, um, you know, outside of probably what, four guys, um, you know, Vado, Stevenson, India, and uh, Will Myers, like I, I, feels like everyone else is really fighting for a job to keep their job um you know given that the t- there's talent coming up from the minor leagues and especially in the infield you know um it's I'll, I'll be really interested to kind of watch and follow how how those guys go and how you know who's able to kind of take that pressure and uh you know perform and who buckles under the pressure and uh is the one being replaced by you know whoever the first prospect to come up is yeah absolutely um for me i'm i'm gonna backdate this one real quickly to kind of wrap this up the reds 19 games to start last season four against the atlanta braves two against cleveland four against the dodgers three against the padres three against St. Louis, and three more against the Padres. That's brutal. That's absolutely brutal. Not to mention, what, two of their first 13 games were on the road. And we all know how that ended up. They started 3-75 and 75 or whatever the hell it was. And <laughs> the season was tanked before you even had a glimpse at what it could be. Um, you know, 2020 being what it was, different season entirely, but then you go back to 2018 when the Reds started three and 18 also and fired Brian Price. You're talking twice in four full season windows where the Reds were just done by the second week of the season. And even if you had any sort of incremental excitement about what the Reds had to bring to the table throughout all that. And after that, it's like you were, you were showing up at a game with like, uh, with with your blinkers on already because all of the other fun aspects about enjoying a major league baseball team had already been flushed down the toilet before you had a chance to enjoy things. Um, I'm looking forward to that not being a thing this year. I'm looking sure. forward to the opportunity that the Reds can at least show a glimmer of competitiveness that maybe they don't deserve given what's on their roster but that at least gives them a punching chance. I mean, let's be honest here. They started out against Pittsburgh. Then they got three against the Cubs, who, yeah, they spent money this year, but I'm still not convinced the Cubs are a really good team, you know? 
Um, they got a couple against Philly and a couple against Atlanta, a couple more against Philly, a couple more against Tampa. That's going to be tough. But then they got Pittsburgh, Texas, and Oakland to wrap the end of the month of April. You know, if you come out of that just not 17 games back in the standings, which is literally what they right. were effectively through 25 games at the start last year, um, there's going to be reason for some optimism because something good will have gotten them there, whether it's the, the trio of elite starting pitchers, whether it's India and Stevenson showing that they're not just back, but that they're the, the future of the club. Um I'm looking for uh, something that at least shows us that they're ready from day one with what they've got. Even if what they've got isn't enough for 162, it should be enough to at least punch their way into significance for a little bit. And that'll be refreshing enough for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost feels like this first series is is gonna feel like a playoff series, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. David Bell really, you know, he can't come out three and twenty two again. He's not gonna keep his job in that case this time. Um, and so, you know, he's looking at these three games with the Pirates, with his, you know, his three hot shot young starters um, at home, all the excitement of you know, opening day in Cincinnati and. Um, just kind of everything that kind of comes with that. I mean, uh, all that, but also like last know. year, last year was an opening day on the road and then you had COVID years the years before that. So like, it's been right. a while since yeah. there's been even a stage to fail on, much less a stage that they succeed on, you know? Right. So, oh, I mean, they, they got to be looking at this and just circling these three games and just being like, you know, we need to really come out and, uh, you know, come out of the gate strong and, you know, I think they they like just for their morale, they need to win this series. It's it's, sure, as, yeah. it's as much of a must win series as they're going to have this whole year. I would think. I would think so. Yeah, because it's the Pirates too. So we're talking about a peer here. Right. Another of- another team that's going to finish in the bottom of the the Central. Another team that's like not banking on the fact that they're great baseball players and they know it. They're they're another team that's sitting in the the locker room watching the Rocky montage on repeat, like doing push ups and like. We got to break through. We got to break through. So, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 bigger in that regard, perhaps, than I'm not even giving it credit for. It's a really good way of talking about it, knowing about it. So, um, but hey, we find out tomorrow, man. Hunter Green's on the mound. Um, that's that's exciting. He's gonna throw the hell out of the ball, and um, we're gonna be watching it. And I can't wait. It's um, you know, I, I literally I, I say that again. As frustrating as this team is. As frustrating as this franchise has been under the current ownership, um, I'm excited as hell. There are really, really good pieces on this roster. Um, I don't think there are enough of them, but there are some really damn good ones that are there. And when those ones are are highlighted and have their opportunities, I'm very excited to see what they do and where they take what we're going to be watching for the next six months. So, yep. Opening day hits different. That's all. It, it you know, does hit different. Really does. So, it does. So, well, thanks, guys, for joining me. Um, wake up tomorrow, sleep well, put your stockings by the fireplace, uh, get up and have them stuffed with getta and beer and wake up and enjoy yourselves and, and enjoy the holiday that is Cincinnati Reds opening day baseball tomorrow. Uh, 2.10 start time, Hunter Green on the bump. Uh, Great American Ballpark should be full. It should be rowdy. It should be enjoyable. The weather should be great. And um We'll get the dulcet tones of John Sadak back and, and watch a little baseball if you're not going to be in attendance. And uh, it, get, it gets this entire 162-game season rolling once again. And I'm, I'm excited to see where it takes us. So 
All right. For BK, for RF, I'm Wick. Thanks for listening to Walks Will Haunt with us again this week, and we will catch you here in another couple of days. Thanks, guys.